on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. As yeah, a business no. owner, if you're starting out, you have to think big in order to get big. And if yeah. you think that you're a mom and pop, you're going to stay mom and pop. But you have to put that structure in your business and that mindset. And again, form that discipline of doing your board meetings, doing your minutes, setting up your company agreements and documents in a way to where you're legit. And even though it's just one or two of you, it doesn't make a difference. You know, that value, it gets built over time. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got a special queen on the king stage, Beth Rohani. How are you? Hey, hey, hi. How are you? I'm wonderful, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for this uh, this interview. We have we were like hustling to get to the record button because you have given me 20 minutes already of just downloaded just great information. I got to stop, stop, stop. We got to get this on the recording. We're so, bonding. Uh, for this, you know, we were just talking about your alter ego. Maybe that'll pop up in the conversation. Sarah <laughs> is her name. Maybe she'll pop up. We've got a long history of of um, really cool things happening in your business and life right now. So we're got we got a lot to cover. So Beth, tell us what kind of business that you have. Yeah. So um, as far as my life is concerned, it's consisted of the moving industry. My mom uh-huh. opened up a moving company in Dallas uh, about year two thousand. And yeah. then um, I started mine in 2001. So it's been about a little over 20 years, been in the moving industry here in Houston. Um, and we, you know, throughout this development of time, we've gotten into the real estate business as well. Okay. So um, just a little bit of, you know, entrepreneurship here and there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. I got to know, though, is it Houston or is it Houston? It just depends. Yeah. It just depends on what part of the country that you're from, but got it. Okay. Us, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're Houstonians, H town proud all the way. H town. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I, I've, we talked about this before we hit the record button. I've never been to Houston, um, been close a couple of times, been to Texas many times, but, but I've always heard this, you know, back and forth of Houston or, or Houston. So I had to bring it up. Um, <laughs> I want to know in this moving industry, obviously being female, like that's unique in itself. I want to definitely get to that. Um, but you're clearly a queen in the business. We say King's not masculine. It's mindset. It's all these things that bring, you know, just this incredible leadership to business. You are all these things, but I want to know, my first question is why are you going to continue to press in You're You got all this stuff happening in your life in the positive. What are you after? What's the bigger picture for you? Why are you still doing it after the success that you've gotten? You know, I think what drives me and allows me to continue to do what I do every day is really boils down to my core values of who I am as a person. And I've over the years identified that 
my core values drive everything in me, whether it's personal or professional. Um, it's something that's really inherently important for me in any of the decisions that I make. And, yeah. um, you know, for me to keep going, I've built something that I am proud of. Um, I say it's kind of like I never had kids. And so for me, it's my college student. You know, I've, I've birthed it and it's gone through all the growing pains of, you know, yeah. being a teenager and everything else there in between. And, you know, through these challenges, you, you, you have this drive, you have this passion of always yeah. wanting to get to the next level. And how do you get to the next level? And I think ultimately it's just been something I've inherently had um, as a person um, that, you know, just kind of developed in me. That's, I mean, <clears throat> I, I can appreciate that. It sounds like a well thought out answer now. Has it, has it always been like that? Or was that developed over the course of time or the raising through the teenage years? Like, <laughs> give us the, give us the backdrop. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we're talking about core values, um, sure. you know, I have always tried to be a good person. Um, and believe in my instincts and believe in doing what's right. My parents have definitely been the foundation of that. Um, they've, they're about to celebrate 50 years of being wow. married and um, yeah, major. And to be able to see, you know, everything that they have sacrificed as parents for me to be able to give me the opportunities that I've had um, yeah. is really, really important. And so now I'm at a stage in my life where, I am an adult and, you know, you get to a point where you start to self-assess, right? And just figure yourself out. And for me, I've realized that um, I didn't know what my core values were. I, I knew what I believed in. I just didn't know how to articulate it. Yeah, and yeah. in 2012, actually, there was a, um, a person that asked me, what are your core values and what is your passion? And I just yeah. kind of sat there like, what are they? Like, how do I express them? And it became something that I went on a search for. And so from 2012 on, I searched and I ended up doing an EOS system. Um, it's an entrepreneurial um, operating system where yeah. one of the exercises was to figure out what your core values were. Yeah. And that was 2018 when I figured out how to articulate my core values. And, you know, number one is accountability. And then number two is integrity. So those two drive me and I think have always been inherently something that I've carried. I was, I would always tattle on my brother. I was like the teacher's pet, <laughs> my brother, you know, he would be doing mischievous things and I would always uh -huh. be the one that's like, you know, telling my mom, you uh -huh. know, and that's right, you know, it, yeah. So it was just one of those things where I was the accountability queen growing up. And I think that's I right. still am to this day because I'm so responsible for so many people and so many things yeah. when you are an entrepreneur that you want to make sure you're making the right decisions. And again, those core values come into play when I do make those decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. I think that if you were to define accountability, I think that everybody listening would agree like, oh yeah, I, I desire that, or I want to be that, or I want to emulate that, or I want to portray that to my clients or my team or whatever. Right. But what we as entrepreneurs often find is that we we fall short in that area because we, we don't close loops very well or our personality kind of, you mentioned clearly you're uh, either the firstborn or at least the firstborn daughter. Um, Cause my firstborn daughter is just like that. 
Um, <laughs> the, the reality of it is, is that whether it's, whether you're, we're talking firstborn or secondborn or baby, or we're talking the personality profile, there is something inside of you that innately to your point from being a kid is a certain, you're a certain, your cake is baked in a certain way. So for the person listening that hears this, and maybe they're not like this naturally, accountability is still huge. It's number one for you. Maybe it's not one number one for them, but I, de- I guarantee it's on the list. What would you recommend as being the accountability queen for someone who maybe doesn't come to it as naturally? What would they, what should they do? What should they focus on? Can you give them a little tidbit? Yeah. You know, a lot of it deals with mindset and a lot of it deals with the ability to be able to stay disciplined, stay focused. And so you have to find particular tools that help you do that. So for me, for example, if there is a commitment that I have made, I will make sure that I fulfill that commitment. If I have given somebody my word, giving somebody your word and making sure that you uphold what it is that you tell them is so important. I'll call you on Monday at nine o'clock. Well, Monday at nine o'clock, you need to call that person. And if anything, call them at 8.59. Don't call them at 9.01. Because those types of characteristics display that integrity, display the fact that you are willing to take on that responsibility. So important for me, for my team member, whenever I sit there and I tell them I'm going to do something as a leader, I have to lead by example. And if I don't lead by example, how do I expect them to follow my lead and tomorrow, you know, be that, that, that leader that I expect them to be. So, you know, a lot of it is your own personal characteristics and defining those personal characteristics and, you know, just being accountable for what it is that you put your mind to and finding those tools. I have checklists. Um, If there's an email that I need to send that I need to respond to, it stays in my inbox until that's done. And then it gets filed away. And so while it's in my face constantly, I'm thinking about it. And it's always something that's you know, there's two sides, you know, like talking to you all the time, you know, Uh, you're just like listening and trying to balance it out because to also be accountable, it's time consuming. It's making sure that, you know, you fulfill those commitments. And again, identifying, you know, your weaknesses will allow you to be able to enhance those areas that you need to enhance. And I think, I mean, starting out with your word and how you do it and prove it, because that's one of my life's mottos do it and prove it. If somebody comes and tells me, oh, I am so good at doing this. And, you know, I have the ability to sell, you know, this to, you know, whoever. Okay, well, do it and prove it. And let me see it. Because through that, through actions, develops trust over time. And so having the ability to do that in whatever it is, I think ultimately builds your character and defines that you are a responsible, dependable person who can ultimately be accountable. Yeah. You said you said two things that I just really want to hit home for the listener. Um, you identified accountability immediately with your word. And I just think just in today's age, you know, in your parents, in my parents, in our grandparents time frame, it was it was a lot of the only thing that they had because there weren't maybe contracts and it was more of a handshake and a word. But today, um, you know, it it doesn't mean as much. And so I'm even teaching my children about how much more it actually means because it doesn't mean that much regularly. Um, yeah. It's become, it's become tossed away. And so I think actually now the value of it is 
just that much more. And so I just want to hit that home from my perspective. And then the last thing you said, it all dials down to trust. If you're, if you're accountable, then people can trust you. If people trust you, that opens up the gate to basically almost everything that you want because Absolutely. you can offer your service to them or you can offer repeat service or you can refer or you can be friends or you can whatever the scenario is in this, uh, this relationship. But trust is the baseline of a lot of it. And being accountable, doing what you say you're going to do, um, builds a history so that someone eventually says, that person I can trust. Absolutely. Big, absolutely. Big yeah, absolutely. And it's challenging in some cases because, you know, as business owners, you get burned so many times That's that right. there are people who exemplify those characters, but you're still questioning them. And so as a business owner, you really have to, you know, Huge. let your guard down at times and let go of the vine. And that yeah. was something that I learned in traction because as a business owner, I'm constantly holding on and wanting yep. to make sure that I have control over everything. Right. And I'm now getting to the point where I'm able to, you know, let go of that vine and fall wherever I need to fall and see where it lands me. Because if I don't yeah. trust them, then I can't grow the business. I can't grow people. I can't, right. you know, get it to the point where, you know, it, it allows me to be able to improve and bring value. Yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Um, even when we've been burned was, was the point that you're making, which is so impactful. I really hope the listener is paying attention because most likely the listener hasn't been able to scale to seven or eight figures. And a huge part of that, which is obviously a big part of what traction is about is being able to um, not only build a team, but build a team in an organized fashion so that the business can grow. And and the listener probably has tried to hire a person or two or three, and, and it probably hasn't worked out. They probably didn't do a very good job of defining the role and didn't do a good job of putting the right people in the right seat based on personality and skill set and all the extra thought and intentionality that you've learned. But looking back, it's like, man, the person listening right now, it's worth it. Even though it has burned you in the past, it's worth it. And so I think that the, 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 what you just delivered them is hope really is like, even though you've been burned, it's okay. <laughs> you can oh, still yeah. let go. <laughs> and oh, work yeah. Out. oh yeah. And I'll tell you, I mean, COVID was my biggest moment where I had to find hope because as a business owner, you go through so many challenges and so many obstacles that you're confronted with. And you pick up and you keep carrying on and you pick up and you keep carrying on. And then all of a sudden you have something like COVID hit. And now yeah. you are trying to navigate through this, you know, time of uncertainty. And yeah. I was in the shower and I was, I dropped the soap and I went <laughs> to go and pick it up. And the thought came to my head because I was thinking about all this stuff. And the only word I remember at that time and this was maybe around 2020 was resiliency. You know, as a business owner, you have to have the resiliency. And however many times you go through any challenge or any obstacle or you get burned, you have to pick right back up and keep carrying on. And, you know, for the longest time, I would say I'm like a horse with blinders on because there's so yeah. many distractions that come your way, whether yeah. it's economical, whether it's internal, external, whatever the case is that as a business owner, you're confronted with that 
you can't get distracted by all of it. You have to maintain your focus. Where do I, okay, I might not be able to get there in one year or three years or five years. It's going to get pushed a couple of years, but still have that direction of where you want to go ultimately, regardless of, you know, whatever challenges come your way. Yeah, that's right. Well, I hope you guys are paying attention, taking notes because girls on fire. Um, we're going to keep moving on though. I want to hear your story uh, as far as how it started. How did you get into the business world? Was this the first one? I know it's been your baby for a long time. Was there a story before that? Give us, give us a little bit of the beginnings of entrepreneurialism. Yeah. So, um, I was a communication journalism major. Um, if you can tell, I like to talk a little bit, um, (laughs) but, um, you know, for me, um, just language is so important and it, is something that, you know, I'm a first generation Iranian American. So I came to the United States when I was seven years old. It was in 1984. Um, My parents left everything. They left their home. They left their business, their families. My dad was the youngest of 14. Um, And yeah. And um, they made the sacrifice because in Iran at that time, the government was changing and it was first grade. Um, I came home with a note that said, your daughter is going to have to start wearing a hijab coming to school from now on and has to come covered up. And my mom was like, no way, this is not happening. My daughter is not going to be brought up in a society where she's going to have any restrictions and she's not going to have her freedom and independence. And so um, I had my younger brother, he's two years younger than me, um, that they picked up a couple of suitcases. I remember going to the airport at like three or four o'clock in the morning and couldn't really understand what was going on. One, um, one moment I remember my aunt, she was a seamstress growing up and she always sewed little dresses for me. And there was this um, skirt that she had sewn and I was sitting outside of our house on the ledge, just watching people and cars go by. And my mom came and grabbed my hand and pulled me inside and said, you can't go outside anymore like that. And I couldn't understand as a seven-year-old what was happening, why I couldn't do that. And now, you know, as an adult, being able to see that the government was changing and the world was changing, it now makes perfect sense. And to go through the airport and see the, you know, military with the guns as as a kid, I couldn't understand. But in any case, when we did come into the United States and walk through the airport at um, DFW, the first song I ever heard was Stevie Wonders. I just called to say I love you. <laughs> and I couldn't even speak English, but that melody it just oh, stuck yeah. with me forever, oh, yeah. you know? And then wow. I came and I started first grade. My parents held me back because they thought it would be easier for me to learn English. Um, so I was also the first person that got to drive in high school, which was like, I was like an eighth grade and I was like the <laughs> cool kid, you know, and all the other kids wanted to get in my car and drive with me. That's but right. in any That's case, right. yeah, there was like perks to it. Um, and so it was something that I started in ESL, English as a second language. I yeah. learned how to speak English. And so language kind of became a, a, a something for me that, you know, I remember my dad holding up little index cards with the word jump. And I could not say it. I could not figure out how to say the words jump. And now it's like nuts. But in any case, those types of experiences built me as who I am. My parents, first generation, they had to start life over. My dad started at a laundromat, my mom at an ice cream parlor. Um, And then she went to do a little bit of retail in the mall, became a bookkeeper, 
Um, and then while I was in high school, she studied her way through and became a registered nurse and got her nursing degree. Um, my dad eventually bought the laundromat. So wow. that was kind of, you know, the, the first stages of understanding that my dad was an entrepreneur, although in Iran, he and all of his brothers owned a corporation together. So he was an entrepreneur yeah. in Iran as well. Yeah. And so just kind of um, seeing them and what they did in life really yeah. allowed me to be able to see what it meant to be an entrepreneur, the hard work. My dad would bring yeah. like buckets of quarters home from the laundry machines and my yeah. brother and I would have to like roll them, you know, yep. so he could go yep. and make the deposits and stuff. And then shortly thereafter, he, we got into, he got into the oriental rug business. So he okay. started importing um, uh, Persian rugs. And so right next to the laundry mat, he opened up his rug dealership, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And so he just kind of, I, I always saw that in them, which was something that again, for me was, you know, I, I never expected to be an yeah. owner of a company. Um, yeah. For me, I was a communication or journalism major. So when I moved from Dallas to Houston in 2000, um, I ended up getting a job while I was in college at the Fox affiliate here. And I had actually done my internship at the Fox affiliate in Dallas. And yeah. I had displayed my my characteristic to my news director, even though I was doing an internship, he saw my work ethic and he sure. saw my qualities. So although I didn't have a college degree, when I moved to Houston, I simply just had to pick up the phone and call him and say, Hey, there's two positions here in Houston. One is at the NBS NBC affiliate. The other one is at the Fox affiliate. Which one should I go for? And that's when I learned the power of a referral because he said, oh, yeah. call Fox, talk to this person, let them know I referred you and you should be good. That was on a Tuesday. I went to my interview on a Thursday and I was the new assignments editor at Fox on Monday, yeah. you know, with no college degree, nothing, but just who I displayed as yeah. a person to build that trust in him, to know yeah. that if he was to give that referral then yeah. it would be warranted positively. And yeah. um, I quickly picked up and then, you know, my mom had opened up the moving company in Dallas. Um, she decided after 10 years of being a registered nurse, she wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so um, her brother actually owned a moving company in Dallas for 30 okay. years. And wow. um, he helped her open her business. And then she helped me open my location. It was a means to earn money for books and tuition, but gradually started to build it. And, yeah. um, now, you know, unexpectedly here we are 20 plus years later. <laughs> yeah. With, with, uh, as you said, a um, a, a college student for a business, <laughs> your 20, your 20 year old child, right? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I love the story. I mean, first off, wow. On just family and, and where you come from and, and just the pedigree of figure it out. I mean, uh, it, it, it is no, no shock that, um, you have the work ethic that you do. I mean, you get to see it firsthand. I just think that it's so incredible. Um, what do you think in that first year or two or three um, in business, that was a really good decision that you made, practically speaking, that the listener can take a note of real quick and go apply it in their business like today? So for me, one of the first, there was actually two instrumental okay. moments for me. Um, one of them was... Um, you know, we started the business operating out of Excel spreadsheets because as a business owner, 
you don't know you do. how to manage <laughs> the finances. Everything just kind of goes into a shoebox, and That's right. That's you just right. take that shoebox to your CPA and say, "Figure it out." Um, yeah. And if if know, that even is a step, <laughs> <laughs> which is an important step, but in it any is. case, um, yeah. or an essential step, but That's right. in any case, um, yeah. So you don't really, as a you know, when I started my business, I was in my early twenties, and I never got my college degree because I got into the communication world and I felt that the real world was conflicting with what I was learning in school. So I'm like, let me just save this money. And I had started my moving company and just kind of life took its course and nobody ever gave me a business degree or gave me a a roadmap or a plan of how to run a business. Anything that I've ever done has been as a result of experiences. And so yeah, I mean, those first four, five, even seven years, it's like a marriage, you know, they say the seven year itch, you know, it's like, once you get over that seven year hump, I think with a business, you have the ability to say, okay, now I have my systems in place, my processes in place, because as a, as a business owner, you don't really understand all of the fundamentals. I mean, even down to the simplest things of HR and Um, confidentiality, non-solicitation agreements or employment agreements or, you know, policies and procedures. So, you know, a lot of my policies and procedures were developed along the way as things organically happened. And I felt the need that I had to write it down and communicate it. But again, I didn't go anywhere and buy a, you know, template of a policy procedure handbook. It definitely had to be something that got developed. And throughout the years, you know, it was something that I would say, if you are a six figure and you're looking into leveling up, you have to know what your finances are and you have to have control over your finances. I implemented QuickBooks very early on. Um, that was somewhere around, you know, started in 2001, somewhere around 2004. I implemented QuickBooks because QuickBooks gave me leverage for me to be able to go to my bank and give them some sort of document that was legitimate for them to look at, to be able to see what it was. It wasn't some, and it was real time. It wasn't something that I had to go and ask my CPA to put together and I could start seeing the analytics and in all aspects of it, whether it was marketing, whether it was expenses or, you know, it just, it gives you this visual of how your business is performing and what yeah. you need to do, where you need to cut your expenses or what you need to invest in, in order to be able to grow. Um, right. And so that was a learning curve because nobody ever taught me how to That's use right. QuickBooks. So right. Right. thankfully at that time, Google was out and YouTube had started kind of putting some training videos and you start sure. watching them and teaching yourself. And right. so Definitely getting, um, if you are wanting to level up, getting into some sort of software that does allow you to be able to maintain those metrics for you to have that visibility um, and that control. And then secondly, um, the second instance was somewhere around 2007, six, I had a competitor of mine who back then, you know, we advertising in the yellow pages was the thing to do because, you know, the internet was just kind of like the new thing around. And um, my competitors would have two ads. You open the book and it would say, boom, boom, the same moving company. But when somebody who was the consumer looked at it, that meant authority, right? Because you have that authority in that book. We ended up naming our company Ameritech. So alphabetically, we could fall in the very front of that 
yellow right. pages. Right. Um, and so when people went and searched, oh, A, okay. Um, but we couldn't afford the ads. And so our business model was set up on a referral program where we right. would pay leasing agents at apartment complexes $10 for every referral. And yeah. we had established our little group that was constantly referring us. Um, yeah. And it turned out to where the competitor asked uh, a, a mutual person that we both knew, how does Ameritex do it? How do they not advertise in the yellow pages, but still mm -hmm. produce business? And they disclosed our marketing methods. And mm -hmm. so the competitor went and said, to all of these leasing agents, okay, Ameritex offers you $10. I'm going to offer you $20. Ameritex pays you monthly. I'm going to pay you weekly. Ameritex pays you with a check. I'm going to pay you cash. And right. literally overnight, our business changed. It was something uh, to where people that I would see coming in on a weekly basis just disappeared. And when I would call them and ask them, they would say, oh, we're just slow right now. Things are just right. slow. To the yep. point where after the third or fourth week, I said, like, nope. come on, man, like reason with me. You've known me long enough to not have to beat around the bush and tell me the truth and got the truth out of them. And they yeah. said, you know, now there's somebody else and we're giving our customers both options instead of just you as the option. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, OK, how am I going to combat this? Because it impacted me negatively. And so yeah. I decided the power of networking and oh, yeah. expanding myself to people that were key decision makers, not right. people that were on the front line, but how could I get myself to the decision makers to then have me trickle down to the properties? And so I yeah. became involved in an organization. It is the largest trade organization actually in the nation, the Houston Apartment Association. And that was in 2006, the end of it. Um, and I became active in everything. I started getting on committees and doing everything I needed to do to display who I am as a person. And That's when right. I first became involved, Chaz, I would go in and I would shake their hand and I would say, hi, my name is Beth and I'm with Ameritex Movers. Oh, movers? We don't want movers because movers, we don't want people moving out our residence. And it's like, no, 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 wait. Not what about pe the people moving into your properties? What are the, about right. the people that you transfer from one unit? What yeah. about the fires, the floods, the hurricanes? And I had to bring my value to that yeah. customer and tell them that I'm on their site more frequently than their landscapers are. And don't they want to protect their assets by teaming up with someone who's credible, accountable, liable, reliable, and, yep. you know, put everything out there for them to where over time, they identified my character and built that trust to know that I could be a vendor who supported them. And I mean, there have been, there have been members that have probably served in that organization for 30 plus years and have never been afforded the opportunities that I was so blessed to, because right. within three years of my involvement, I was asked to serve on their board of directors. Wow. I got on their board of directors in 2009. It was a six year commitment. And right. as a business owner, that was pretty much one of the first times that I learned what a profit and loss statement was. I actually sat in one of their board meetings and they're like spitting out all these like big words. And I'm just like, yep. okay, I'm here. I'm just here taking notes. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like fake it till you make it. Totally. Like I know exactly yep. what you're talking about. And yeah. I got home and I Googled it and I figured it out and I, would go home and I would tell my parents, like, you know, we have to have board meetings and we have to talk like, and they're like, no, we're just a small business. We're we just don't, mom and pop. You know, That's right. 
And you can't think like that as yeah, a business no. owner. If you're starting out, you have to think big in order to get big. And if yeah. you think that you're mom and pop, you're going to stay mom and pop, but you have to put that structure in your business and that mindset. And again, form that discipline of doing right. your board meetings, doing your minutes, setting up your company agreements and documents in a way to where you're legit. And even though yeah. it's just one or two of you, it doesn't make a difference. You know, it's that value, it gets built over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull out three things. Um, you just gave so much value. I hope that the listeners paying close attention. They're going to have to go back and listen to this one a couple of times. Um, the three things. So first off, there's four basics in a business, marketing, sales, client experience, and finance. You hit on two of them, finance and marketing. Um, you're going to have to get creative in marketing, whether that's through networking, whether that's through uh, referral programs, uh, watching out for competitors, all of that she just gave to you. You have to figure out a way to get business in the door repeatedly. You, have, you, need, you need a funnel of people coming through and you need to have it always full. That's the only way to get to seven figures and beyond. The second thing that she had on was finance. You got to know your numbers. I know, I know, I know. I know you're saying right now to yourself, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a numbers girl. It doesn't matter. You can't take the shoebox. First off, you need a CPA to take the shoebox too, but don't take the shoebox. Get the QuickBooks, get the software like Beth is talking about. Spend the time. It's necessary. If you don't get the finance piece right, it's very, very difficult to scale because you have you, your understanding has to be there first financially. You have to know where the numbers are. And then the third piece that I heard her say, she said, you show up with value by serving over a period of time. When she joined the network of, of this Houston association, apartment association, it wasn't just, hey, here's my card. Uh, we can help you on your next move. It was I'm going to show up and serve in this committee. I'm going to show up and serve in this committee. I'm going to bring value through explaining how my company can value you, not just to get another job or to get another project. It's to show up over the course of time, bring value by serving. You want to, you want to cap us off with anything before we move to the speed round, Beth? Absolutely. And the, the servitude part of it is something that, again, builds trust and right. builds that ability for people to not only use you one time, but become repeat customers. So for yeah. me now, what I initially formed as partnerships are lifelong friendships. These right. are right. things that I will take with me. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that we talk about during one of our supplier education programs in this organization is it doesn't matter who you're with. You can be with this carpet company or that carpet company they're going to follow you. Once they get to know you, they're going to follow you. And, you know, in my case, I'm hoping to not go to another moving company, but, you know, as far as yeah. following you, they are going to commit to you. They are going to be that person that is going to trust you. And right. at, at some point, you know, the, the, the price doesn't necessarily become the, the focus, whereas they know, hey, I can pick up the phone and this person is going to take care of it's it for done. me regardless. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about building sustainability of relationship, which then is the foundation for continued business, the whole, the whole works. Um, so super great in the speed round here, Beth, I'm going to ask you first about the most important trackable KPI. What is that one thing that you would track forever and ever inside your business? Yeah. So profit and loss. Okay. And what does that mean to you from a rest of the business perspective? If you know that number, how does it help you run the business? For me to be able to see the profit and loss statement, it 
essentially tells me the whole story of what I'm spending and what I'm bringing in. I understand, you know, a lot of people may focus on generating sales, but at the end, you can spend it faster than you can bring it in in some cases. I mean, especially now with the economy, inflation, the prices of everything going up. As a business owner, if you are not mindful of how you ba- how you balance your expenses, then yeah. there's not going to be a profit at the end. And so ultimately, being able to evaluate and shave off what you don't need. I Right now, I hear all the time these subscriptions for these apps that track your subscriptions. And you can go in and you can clear up your subscriptions and, you know, kind of reduce your expenses. Okay. Well, that's pretty much QuickBooks and your, your profit and loss, because it's showing you what you're spending line item wise and how you can reduce that or be able to just eliminate it if it's not needed and it's just an unnecessary expense. So, um, you know, and then we can also track discounts. So, you know, what are we spending on discounts? What are we spending on chargebacks and be able to identify what's our claims to be able to identify our claim ratio. Um, We can break it even down further to be able to see, you know, what the customer base is and identify, you know, where those sources are. So, you know, all of that information eventually helps with marketing, eventually helps with, um, you know, just operating the business as a whole. Yeah. Love it. What book would you recommend Beth for a six figure business owner? Okay. So, um, I am not a book reader and have never, ever, ever been a book reader. If okay. anything, I'm Fair like enough. a Cliff's, no- Cliff's Notes version. Just let me read the sidebar and get the idea um, yeah. summarized, please. So for me, um, I am a podcast listener and I would say your podcast, but in any case, um, for me, it's uh, if I had to say a book, I would say QuickBooks. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you wow. have to be able to read your QuickBooks and analyze your reports and your analytics and be able to understand your company's finances backwards and forwards. So if it's a book, I would say QuickBooks, QuickBooks. but in all reality, (laughs) if it is something that you're going to, you know, gain additional value from, for me, I am a marketing queen and I love to be up to speed with what's going on. So I listen to the social media marketer with Michael Stelzner Um, and he keeps me up to speed on trend with what's going on with Facebook, Google, all these algorithms, Instagram, and, you know, it's constantly changing. And as a business owner, especially during COVID because COVID disconnected us right as human to human contact. And we had to evolve to the next stage of doing zoom like meetings or being able to do things like socialize. And so through that experience, you know, social media became more important than ever because people got to see you, people got to keep up with you, people know what you're doing, where you're at and how you're doing. And so, and there's so often that I'll tell my friends, we might not talk all the time, but I see you posting on Facebook. So as long as I know you're posting on Facebook, I know everything is good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, I just want to make sure that the, that the listeners are fully in the know uh, about your nerd alert earlier with the QuickBooks reference. You know, I love it. I love, I love that you love numbers. Uh, (laughs) Believe it or not, I never did. I was terrible in math. I was the girl that like, I got my first checkbook at 18 from Bank of America. And I was like, I'm going to go and write post-dated checks for this one year tanning membership. And then I never like could put the money in the bank account. And so my mom would have to go 
bail me out for all these hot checks, you know, that I'm yeah. writing around town and go pay the tanning memberships off. And, you know, and then even like when I took right. my tests in school, I was always so fearful of math. Um, yeah. I had to take my task test six times before I passed it by one point. And uh, so again, communication, speaking language, all of that yeah. was like what I excelled in, in school. And when I became a business owner, um, it's it, the language of it, business. It, I mean, it completely transformed, but then again, having yeah. the right tools because it was a struggle working out of a spreadsheet and being able to see it. And when I had a system and a process in place that was transparent for me, right. then essentially the computer's doing the work for me. It's not necessarily that I'm going in and, you know, figuring and adding it together. It's right. just a data entry source where I'm inputting information and doing my day to day. I was explaining to my new accounting leader that I just hired that when you are entering in your day to day transactions, whether you're paying your vendors or you're doing payroll or you're paying bills, it's automatically getting recorded in there for you. So, um, you know, although it might seem slow and some people tend to call it slow books, ultimately, yeah. when you're running those reports, it is quick. I, and yeah. I'm not a spokesperson for QuickBooks. But no, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm like advertising. Well, uh, it was your book recommendation. So um, it's all good. I think that's super relatable because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs feel the way that you do about numbers, math in general. Um, and so it's super uh, relatable that that you have been able to get where you are. And that is your book recommendation after all of this, even though that was your history. I think it makes it super a positive for the listener to be able to go, okay, this is something that you can do. It's something that you need to do, but it is something that you can do also. Definitely. Beth, I have one last question for you. Okay. If you could whisper in the younger Beth's ear, what would you say? Balance. Find the opportunity to balance. Um, you know, my full focus has been on my career and building this business. And I have, at this stage of my life, realized that there are things in my life that I've neglected, whether it was me personally, or it was my family or my friends. Um, that balance is super, super important because you get sucked in as an entrepreneur and yeah. you are dealing with the day-to-day -day and you are sometimes trying to keep your head above water and you have all of these challenges coming at you left and right, and still finding that time. August 25th, I ended up burying my friend of 38 years. Wow. She was my very first friend. We met in ESL um, when I was seven years old. She had come from El Salvador, and I had come from Iran, and neither one of us knew how to speak English, but we had this common wow. bond, yeah. and we grew up throughout all these years together. And even though at some point, life kind of took us in different directions, there was still that like every birthday you would text each other and just say hello. And um, I was her first friend and she was the last person that uh, got a text from and uh, right before she passed away. And she was 45 and I'm 45. And it was a huge reality check for me because it can happen at any time. Your life is so precious. And when you become so blinded by you know, the day to day and don't focus on balancing everything that you have in your life, it yeah. sometimes becomes a regret. And 
I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to have regrets. And so I'm realizing that and understanding the importance of that to be able to do it now. But if you are the younger Beth and you have the chance to be able to make that change in your journey to where you are going to become the older Beth, then I would say just don't take that time so aggressively and so seriously and find that balance. Yeah, so good. Beth, how can the listener connect with you, whether they're in the Houston area and they need to have uh, their their belongings moved? How can they find you? How can they connect with you? Even if they just want to pick your brain, where can they find you? Yeah, so we are going to be on um, a show that is called Designing Spaces. It's going to be the local Houston show. And for us, it's stressfreemove.com. That's the website. Um, and then our phone number is 713-484-MOVE, M-O-V-E, which is 6683. But in any case, um, Google us, Ameritech's Houston Movers, um, or stressfreemove.com. I love it. You've been sensational. You've dropped so much value here today. We wish you nothing but blessing on your Thanks. family, your business, all that you put your hands to. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.